Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. My name is Alex Kochman, Director of Advancement and Mobilization for ABWE International, joined by my co-host Scott Dunford here in the studio. And we wanted to talk about an area of expertise for both of us, which is the world of women's ministry. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. We're, we're both married to women. Yes. So, I, I mean, short of being one, what else makes you an expert? I, yeah, that's, I'm speechless, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might not be experts per se, um, but, uh, you know, we, we interact with a lot of people online. We read a lot of articles. We read a lot, read a lot of blogs and things like that. And um, our guests today have noticed that maybe there's a gap in the market as far as solid, deep resources for women that go beyond some of the, the stereotypical things that women are also given, uh, often given on the web. Uh, but uh, we also wanted to bring back a friend of the show, right, Scott? Yeah, so it's really great to have back with us Karen Swallow-Prior. Uh, those of you who might remember, Karen joined us uh, earlier uh, last year. and uh, One of we, our earlier guests. Yeah, we had a great conversation talking about literature and uh, cross-cultural communication understanding. So it's really great to have her back on. We're going to talk a little bit about her new book um, that just came out on Reading Well and to talk about some of the events in her life and this new project that, that uh, they're working on called the Pelican Project. Project. And also we have another guest with us. So we have two guests on this show, Ann Kennedy. Uh, she's coming to us from New York uh, uh, State, and uh, she's involved in her local church ministry. She's a writer. And uh, what's really important to Alex and I is that she's also an MK. So uh, that makes her very special to us. But we're really glad to welcome you both. Thanks for joining us on the show today. For having Thank us. you. We're excited to talk to you about this topic of theological resources for women and the discussion of theology and how women can be um, equipped theologically. Um, before we get into that, we just want to we want to just kind of do a little bit of housekeeping here. So, uh, Karen, you were with us before, and a little bit has happened in your life since you were on this show with us last. So, first of all, you have a new book out called On Reading Well. Can you tell us a little bit about your new book? On Reading Well is uh, a book about the thing I love most, which is literature, and it focuses on a number of classical literary works, but centered around the classical virtues, which is uh, a topic I think that we have forgotten and don't even realize that there is a great uh, treasure trove of wisdom, beginning with Aristotle and through the early church fathers, Aquinas, Augustine, had much to say about the virtues, and so I examine those virtues through the lens of great works of literature in hopes of encouraging readers, uh, people who already love reading and people who actually just want to read more good literature and maybe don't know how to begin or, or, mm -hmm. or how to approach it. And uh, it's just an encouragement for Christians in particular to read better and to read better books. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes, uh, the uh, episode that we recorded with you uh, a little while ago, diving into the idea of why missionaries themselves need to be well-read and need to think about the literature of a culture and use that as a gauge for uh, exegeting culture and uh, even just for becoming more well-rounded and, mm -hmm. and helping them as gospel communicators. Uh, but the other life update, uh, Karen, is that you were in Nashville um, some time ago and uh, you had an accident and I know multiple people have been following that through social media, and God has been good to you through that, um, but share with us how you're doing. Oh, thank you for asking. Yes, um, back in May, I was uh, walking in downtown Nashville and got hit by a bus and spent eight days at Vanderbilt Hospital um, and then spent um, the next few months home recovering. 
Um, I'm pretty close to fully recovering. I recovered. I think I'm, um, I'm back to jogging a little bit and um, lifting weights at the gym. Still have a little bit of pain and weakness, but uh, I'm just so thankful. Um, as bad as the accident was, I mean, I had fractured spine, fractured ribs, fractured shoulder, fractured pelvis. Have a you know, nine-inch um, screw permanently in my pelvis and had a head laceration and collapsed lungs. It could have been so much worse. And uh, I'm just grateful to God for preserving my life and um, giving me a full recovery and for all the people who rallied around me in prayer and support during that time. It was overwhelming and just, um, as I said, it just filled me with gratitude. So thank you for asking. Yeah, this is a scary thing. I can't even imagine. Um, but certainly we have been praying for you and we're so glad that you're doing well. And um, it's amazing how God even maybe has used this a little bit to even broaden your platform a little bit. Well, he's, you know, I don't, I, he's done that and he's, you know, it's changed my perspective um, on a lot of things and I'm still processing it. I think when you go, when you go through something like that, you're just so focused on getting through it that you don't think about it. And so now I'm doing all the thinking and, um, and, you know, and, and processing the terror of it all. And mm. so. Yeah, it is definitely a life-changing experience. It's literally a miracle that God preserved your life through that. And we're so grateful, honestly, for the fact that we're talking to you again on the podcast. And uh, thanks for being transparent about that. Shifting gears a little bit, though. Uh, I met with you a couple weeks ago when I was down visiting Liberty University, my alma mater. Shout out to all the Flames fans out there. Uh, oh, brother. <laughs> all, all two of them. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm just trying to hype it up a little bit. We're in the FBS now. Yeah, I mean, Ann and I aren't with you guys. We're not, but hey, no. we're, we're, we're not going to get into a bowl anytime soon, but it's better than being in the Big South. But I digress. Um, but uh, when we were talking in your office, um, you talked about there's a real scarcity that exists in the blogosphere, in the online realm, in terms of really compelling, deep thinking online resources for women on uh, topics of theology and scripture and and culture and um, it, you know it, it seems like there's a lot of kind of the surface level just you know you're you're worth it you're awesome that that kind of vein of of um, speakers and and writers and things. Yeah, like my wife that. went to a conference that literally talked about the warm fuzzy feeling that that women should get, you know, following Jesus. And like that's the not, last not to be the funny. last woman conference my wife wanted to go to. So not, yeah, not to really, be funny. Yeah, that was no, yeah that was reality. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so and our heart on this podcast is to unite the worlds of mission and theology to help goers think, to help thinkers go. We know that there are a lot of women. Uh, and mothers on the mission field who sometimes their only connection to vital resources is through the web. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, first, what is that problem that you see in the online Christian women's blog market, if we can call mm. it a market? Uh, what is that problem? And what are the negative effects of that on the life of women, and especially women in the local church? Yeah, where do I begin? Well, I would say um, just to kind of connect the work with my book and um, that we just talked about and then the platform, um, you know, so much is about platform. And in the Christian world, there's this segregation between men and women. And so much of the things that women are doing and writing are um, not the men don't pay attention to and vice versa. And so the natural and good and God-created differences that we have end up getting even more extreme and more polarized mm. because we're not really paying attention to each other. And so what we see is a lot of 
women's stuff that just really emphasizes the feminine, which is great. I, I love women. I'm a woman. I love feminine things. Um, but mm-hmm. at, at the expense of meteor questions and thinking and um, theology, and, uh, and, and a lot of times the, the pastors, especially in our conservative churches, um, don't pay attention as much to what's going on in the women's ministry because they have given women the role of taking care of that, which is wonderful because it gives them, you know, opportunities to do ministry, but they're, they're ne- we need to be paying attention to one another. Mm. And so um, there actually are a lot of great resources out there by and for women, but they aren't the ones that necessarily get the most attention. They're not the glossiest or the sexiest right. or the most vibrant. And so um, we wanted to just draw women. Women are hungry. And uh, as we're all hungry, some, if we're really hungry, I know it's true of me, I'm going to go to the fast food place and get my quickest fix that I can because I'm so hungry. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's happening in the blogosphere is women are hungry for spiritual nourishment. Um, and sometimes the, the, the loudest flashiest thing out there is the thing that they go towards. And so we want to kind of fill that space and say, look, we know women are hungry, but they can do better. Um, and there are resources out there and the church needs to attend to that as well. So we want to draw women back into the church and also draw the church's attention to um, the needs and uh, the gifts that women have to offer. It's interesting, you know, just tying this into missions for a moment if we look at missions history, you know, there's these these uh, massive figures uh, that are women who are massively influential. You, you can't read, you know, uh, about Amy Carmichael and read her works and not see a woman who not only was a courageous leader and did amazing um, ministry work, but also thought very deeply about theological topics and wrote uh, challenging works for men and women, um, how to think about the spiritual life or even ABWE, our own mission agency. Which is a conservative Baptist, um, you know, mission agency that's you know complementarian in its perspective, was founded and led by um, Lucy Peabody, uh, you know, ninety first years, president. ninety years ago, our yeah. first president. And so there's in missions uniquely there's these there's this huge influence of of women, um, but also um, on the mission field it's unique in that so many cultures there's such a division of the sexes where. A woman will be leading in in a really unique way and really be responsible for the theological education of the women and all the children in a in a very pronounced way. So, for missionaries, even maybe even more so than in the West, or at least as much so, this need for deep theological resources and nourishment is is pronounced. And so, you guys have created a new site, the Pelican Project. Tell us a little bit about what that is. Why pelicans, <laughs> and 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 how you're addressing this? Go ahead, Anne. Okay. Uh, well, the it took us a long time to find our name because we uh, we gathered pretty easily around uh, the idea of um, equipping and strengthening women, but particularly equipping and strengthening the church because if you aren't uh, strengthening the women, you're really not strengthening the whole body. Mm. And uh, so we were, it took us a long time, a lot of uh, not arguing. I would say we were really kind to each other, but <laughs> um, 
one of my fa- I feel that I won in this regard because the pelican is uh, is an ancient symbol of Christ. The there's an, an ancient myth that the pelican in times of drought would uh, the, the female pelican would stab herself in her breast and feed her own young on her blood, which is kind of gruesome. Uh, but the early church adopted this, embraced this image. And you can find, if you look, you can Google online and find beautiful altar frontals of the early church and in, in windows, the pelican motif um, in, done in beautiful gold and uh, red um, or or in a stained glass window. And then um, Aquinas talked about the pelican. Um, the early church just loved this rich image, and we liked it for the the sacrificial mm. imagery that the female pelican gives her life for her young, and we like the the femaleness of it. But that the pelican is Christ in these images, and he he feeds the church on himself, and he gives his life. And if you haven't connected yourself to the church and to him, then you perish. You are um, lost. Mm -hmm. So we we liked the Christ imagery and the church imagery because that's our work isn't just to sort of feed and equip women outside of the church, which I Mm -hmm. think is part of the issue of the blogosphere is that women are isolated in a unique way in this culture mm-hmm. and um, they are disconnected from each other and they they gather online but then those relationships don't translate often into real true um, life in the church and so that's why we we like the image and that's what we we see our work as is trying to do now you guys uh have brought together a number of authors ladies alex well i i use the word guys in the gender neutral but okay <laughs> you ladies <laughs> uh, but you've brought I do to, as well yeah company. <laughs> the english language and karen maybe you'll agree really needs uh, a plural you <laughs> really does y'all, y'all we have one it's y'all, y'all. yins yeah. Um, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, you, you have Karen. some yeah. you have some influence and pull there as an English professor. <laughs> she crazy English. English, that's what she does. Yeah, Newspeak. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> you've brought together people from pretty broadband of the evangelical spectrum. You know, so I, I think you guys would would probably say that you have complementarians and egalitarians writing for your website. You have people from a few different perspectives. You know, we have our convictions here. You know, for instance, on that issue, but you're you're also united around the gospel and uh, you're united around local church centrality. Talk to us a little bit about your, your philosophy there, how you've navigated the differences that your group has, but really what's, what's pulling you all together? What's holding the group together? Yeah, that's an excellent question because um, we are definitely uh, meeting with some skepticism on you know, the conservative side and on the progressive side. Um, as we expected, um, the, the extreme, the extreme sides of those, um, um, elements within the church. Uh, but we, we believe as Christians and as Christian women that there is more that unites us and divides us. Of course, we talked about the place of the church, the central place the church plays in the Christian's life, but also, 
um, we, the scripture plays a, a central place and, and not, you know, not just scripture itself, but a faithful um, hermeneutical approach to it that mm. submits to scripture, even yeah. as we sometimes come up with different interpretations. I mm. mean, um, and, and applications that is inevitable. That's why we have so many denominations, but yet there's still a way of approaching scripture um, that clearly submits oneself and the church to the word, as opposed to using the word to, you know, adapt to whatever cultural norms uh, we have out there today. Yeah. And the, you know, and then there, you know, there are issues in the church that the church has faced, that face, faces today, but then there are issues that have long histories of, of, of weakness. And so that's why one of the, the issues that we are um, gathering around is, um, is bridging the racial divides that have just been part of the church since its beginning. Um, and within evangelicalism, we tend to look at some other issues like, you know, life issues, marriage issues as being important, which they, they very much are. But for other communities who are starving um, spiritually and socially, um, you know, there are other issues that are, fall well within evangelical faith and practice. And so we just want to have a more holistic approach and, and bridge some of those divides that are current and some that have been part of the church for much too long. Yeah, you're really trying to get evangelical women out of the uh, the the white evangelical ghetto um, of just the online space that we live in, where uh, we just live in a very narrow, you know, kind of sealed off uh, perspective. Um, all of us, as we engage online, the way algorithms are built and the way that we use social media, um, but especially for women. And uh, I think, Scott, that this is a, a really maybe a, a good segue to talk about why it's relevant to missionaries, because missionaries can't afford to live inside of a, a little sealed off sphere, you know, in their, their own culture and voices that they're listening to. Yeah, clearly missionaries, not only are they you know serving the Lord in faraway places and evangelizing people, but often they are the ones that are that are teaching the first understandings of the gospel to the people and the people groups and are looked at as the authority. And so, Anne, I'm just curious, you know, you grew up in, in Africa, right? Uh, your parents are currently missionaries okay. in Africa. Um, how did your experience yeah. as an MK even shape your understanding of, of uh, some of these, these issues that now you're working with in the Pelican Project? I, I have had a lot of culture shock, uh, even in long term, as I've confronted the church in America uh, after, you know, I spent my whole childhood abroad. And uh, evangelicalism in America has been a curiosity to me because uh, it's true, it, it, there's a heavy sense of marketing and fads and of people quickly moving on to the next thing. And that has in my view, created a, a or developed starvation, as Karen was saying, a deep lack in the lives of people over really deep, necessary theological truths. So when Karen says there's more that unites us than divides us, most of us are a lot, a lot more interested in talking about the nature of the Trinity and, uh, you know, the dual natures of Christ and ecclesiology and um, orthopraxis than we are about uh, what's happening in the latest women's devotional, you know, and how should women behave in the home. That's not really the pressing issue when people don't know the nature of God. Uh, so I think that the church 
um, evangelicalism hasn't had hasn't been able to equip people here on the ground. And then when you go abroad, I've seen that missionaries have sometimes not been equipped as well. They've been starving over there. Mm. They come back here Mm -hmm. and the church can't minister to them again, but then they can't speak to the church as well. I've seen that progression over, you know, my own adult life. And I think it's more than devastating. The American church can't speak to the world if we as women and men don't know how to articulate the fundamental truths of the Christian life. Mm. So it it seems like to me, like a a circle of uh, despair. Um, And so I think the first thing for the church, for the Pelican project is to have women think about God in a deep Mm. and theological and biblically sound way not about their place in the home and the church, which we've talked about that for a long time, and it's not we're not getting anywhere. Um, to think about God and his nature and have women really be able to ground themselves in the scripture. Mm-hmm. Then we can go back and talk about some of the things that divide us. And th- this has this has impacted the the mission field. I've seen it over my the course of my life, and um, we have to work on this. And I can just throw one example in there. These things that Anne was talking about are so important for eternity. And yet, on the blogosphere, every day I see people debating whether women can be police officers or not. I mean, right. what in the world? You know, as Christian, I mean, we just. It's just a very sad commentary on American evangelicalism that these are the things that concern us rather than these really important doctrinal uh, truths and, uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, as believers in this life, we're always walking that knife's edge balance between being temporally faithful and being eternally minded all the time. Um, So what would you guys say are the truths that you really hope that a woman who is engaged in missions um, or maybe the husband um, of of a woman who's um, serving on the mission field with him? Um, would take away from some of the resources, some of the types of things that you're trying to put out in your uh, website on the Pelican Project? What are the takeaways you hope that they glean? Well, I would hope that women would have would be able to read and interact with theological resources that are uh, really tried and true. So less um, quickly done devotionals. I keep saying devotional, but that's because I wrote one, so I'm sort of embarrassed. But, <laughs> You're allowed to, right, uh, yeah. Um, but but they, Anne's they, is a really good devotional. Right. Mine is okay. Just It's for angry and worn out people, so it sounds like it fits <laughs> most of <laughs> us. <laughs> that sounds like me. Right. Well, so, but I mean, the, the, the devotional is nice, and you, you brought up Amy Carmichael. She's, she's wonderful, and her devotional works are deep and rich. But you can't live on that surface. Uh, the, right. per, the woman who's in a, a village who is um, having to, who wants to work with women, you know, and babies and children and mothers and who, you know, wants to help the maternity rates and, you know, infant mortality to come down and the church not to, you know, the church around Africa is beset by um, persecution and cultural issues and trouble, uh, needs to think more about the Trinity and 
how the church engages with the world, not so much about, you know, what color should we paint the sanctuary. Mm. Uh, and I just don't, we, we need easily accessible resources for people so that they can go deep more quickly than they have to this point. My wife right now is in women's study at our church and they are not working through girl, wash your face. They're working through learning to love the Psalms by W. Robert Godfrey. I mean, they're working through heavy biblical theology for three hours once a month (laughs) while all the husbands watch the kids. I mean, it's so so it it shows that I think a lot of women in the pews um, or wherever they are. Um, are hungering for something a little bit deeper than kind of just the sort of the the life application types of material that you're talking about. Curious if you have any uh, advice for men. So here, you know, Alex and I are sitting here and um, we both are fathers to wonderful girls. Uh, Although my girl is a is a woman now. (laughs) Um, We're married. And, um, you know, what, what advice would you give to husbands and fathers about even just nurturing, encouraging theological growth um, in their in their wives and daughters and in the women in their church. Well, again, going back to what I said earlier, I think a big part of the problem is just um, oftentimes the the male leaders and pastors aren't really paying attention to what the women are doing. They've just kind of let them go mm. off on their on their own. And so um, we should be cross fertilizing um, our ministries and uh, one another and making sure that um, everyone is being fed. Mm. Some and pastors you- don't even know the names of the of the big bloggers that are the bestsellers. You know, they don't even know that women in their church are reading these best-selling books and blogs and being influenced by them. Yeah, I'll, I didn't know who I. You know, I'll. I'll, I'll admit I had no idea who Jen Hetmaker was until she fell um, into um, controversy over her stance on homosexuality. But that was the first that I had heard the name. And I imagine that happens similarly for a lot of people. If we're only finding out what they're listening to and reading when it's too late, when someone has gone off the rails theologically um, or, or on some other issue, we need to take a step back. We need to be more intentional in that discipleship. I do think that the American church, in the American church, there exists a, I, I hate to use this word because it's politically charged, but we, we occupy a very privileged sphere. We have time for um, bad doctrine. We have, we have time for a very mm. self-centered look at the Christian life that revolves around what we need and what we want right now. And I think part of the, the desperation and the call is to... Uh, look much, much more deeply at the scripture and then look at the world and be able to suffer along with uh, Christians who are suffering around the world and and go and be uh, and help to use some of our money and our time for the call of the gospel around the world. Um, but the, the troubles and the plights of the American evangelical woman, which are real and profound, are deeply met by books like Girl, Wash Your Face. Uh, and those are not the issues of women uh, around the world. Uh, so I think we there's a little bit of repentance that I think needs to happen within the church, a little bit more of um, being able to walk in the way of Jesus to die for the sake of another. That's one reason why I love the Pelican image so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to to for women in particular to once more turn out towards the world away from washing her own face <laughs> to mm. 
uh, worrying about whether somebody a world away can wash anything with any mm. kind of water. Mm. That's uh, challenging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for myself and, and really helpful. So, you know, we, we may have, you know, women who are listening to this that are finding themselves in a stage of life that maybe they didn't intend to be or, or desire to be, or maybe it's a harder stage of life than they, they meant. You know, they wanted, they knew that it would be, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, a mom with little children at home or um, a single lady who's, who's wrestling with that singleness or a missionary on the field who is um, discouraged about the state of the ministry that, that, that they're involved in. How would you encourage women who have a heart for missions and, and cross-cultural ministry, but are, are limited by where they're at in this season of life? Well, I think the first thing that the church can, that women can begin to do, and, uh, well, you can, of course, join our Facebook group because we're going to solve all these problems <laughs> online. Um, Solving the world's problems. We have a great so many things have been solved on Facebook. Well, we have, right. The internet is for the solving of uh, problems. Yes, so, yeah, but our always. Facebook group is uh, growing rapidly, mm. and uh, I think women are we've been in just uh, in one week trading resources and talking with each other about some of these really uh, critical issues and encouraging one another to carry on in their local context faithfully and well the discouragement uh, and then to uh, hopefully that will cause more prayer that we'll pray for each other hmm. and that the the work of the church will be upbuilt in a local sense because if you if you do what you're supposed to do faithfully and well where you are, no matter the discouragement and the trouble that is real and that does surround you, you will God will strengthen you to look outward uh, and use your work in ways that you can't imagine right now. So you have to be faithful in the small place that you are and to go deep. And I, I hope that we'll be able to really strengthen and equip and challenge women to do that. And then I really think that the church in the bigger sense will, will be strengthened by this because it's not new. It's not a new work We're we're really calling people to do what we're supposed to be doing anyway. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so the website is thepelicanproject.com, uh, where you both are contributing authors and members, and along with a number of other women, uh, a variety of perspectives, but with this shared heart on centralizing the gospel and the local church. Uh, anything else that you want to leave our listeners with as far as where they can find you guys? The website is a, is a great place to start. We put our, um, our our statement of belief and our commitments. I think our commitments also set us apart a great deal because we really are trying in this polarized and frenetic kind of online world where so much Christianity and evangelicalism exists. We're trying to um, model what we call a hospitable orthodoxy. We, we are orthodox in belief and practice, and we just want to model that so that you can find our commitments and statement of belief. Uh, we also have a Twitter account, um, and there's a link on our, our home page where if you want to join into this excellent um, conversation that Ann mentioned that we're having in a Facebook group, that's how to get involved there. Karen Swallow Pryor of Liberty University and Ann Kennedy, thank you both so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time on the podcast. Thank, thank you so much for having us. 
If you want to get more great content on theology, missions, and practice, go to missionspodcast.com. And while you're there, make sure that you subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite listening platform. And please make sure that you also give us an honest review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to be sending your questions to alex at missionspodcast.com, along with any other ideas for future episodes. And until next time, thank you for joining us.